3: What is up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Shout, a Buffalo Bills football podcast. You know Ryan Talbot. You know our two friends that are here with us today. Jeremy White from WGR uh, Sports Radio 550. Uh, And, of course, Joe Marino, uh, host of Locked on Bills. We're going to get right into this because I want to – I don't want to waste any time. And these guys are doing a million things, and they were generous with their time. And I texted them out of the blue a couple weeks ago after I heard – this clip on a podcast. Uh, it's called Unbuttoned with Chris Sims. I'm going to play it, and then I want to tell you what I texted them, and then we're going to get into it.
1: The doll. You know, you get to the AFC East. This is where it's tricky. Is I would go. I don't know. I don't think the Bills roster is as good as the Jets and the Dolphins right now. I don't think it is. All right. So if you made me put money on one of the top two odds right there, I think I'd go with the Bengals still. Mm. I think I would. Because the Bills, even though I have great belief in them and Josh Allen, I think for what I said would scare me. And the fact that the teams that are two and three, I think their rosters are better than the Bills. The Bengals, I do think have the best roster over the Ravens and the Browns. Even though it might be by a smidgen, I'm going to give them the edge. Even though it's really close between them and the Ravens.
3: I saw this and I texted Ryan and I said, the Bills – do you think they have the third best roster in in the AFC East? I didn't. I didn't think that. So I said, let's do a podcast on it. And then I started thinking, like, how can we make this cooler? So I texted Joe and I texted Jeremy in a group chat. And I said, what would you guys think about taking part in an AFC East only player mock draft? (laughs) Obviously, Joe, for obvious reasons, his draft background. And I just thought Jeremy would think this was a cool idea and want to get involved in it. And so we did. And over the last two weeks, we have, in a group chat, done a snake draft, drafting only AFC East players to try to figure out how many players from each team would get drafted in this scenario. So before we get too far into the details, Joe, Jeremy, Ryan, what did you think when I first presented this idea? And what did you go into this exercise thinking about the AFC East? We'll start with Joe. Well, first
1: of all, when the text came through, it was right up my alley. I'm like, yeah, I'll do that for sure, especially with uh, the work that I've been doing this summer, literally studying every single roster, grading every single player, and doing my own very like numerical process to grade every single roster. So I've been deep in the weeds with that since May, and so I thought this was a great opportunity to utilize that information in a very practical way. As for the AFC East, I – I think the Bills have the best roster in the AFC East, and I think um, there's a lot of momentum for Miami and the Jets, and I certainly think there's a case to be made that the, the gap is narrowed. I think we saw that last year. They've added more talent. So have the Bills, um, and I still think that they're a cut ahead of their competition in the AFC East. Jeremy? I like it because
0: I like the organic nature of it, right? It's like let's let's find out what happens because we're pretty familiar with all, with all these teams, and I think the AFC East has become – stronger and maybe the strongest division in the sport and you know i, I think there's some bills observers or bills fans that get uncomfortable with that they like the idea of the bills winning the division by you know five six games every year and then there are some that welcome okay let's you know let's have a real dog fight for the division and i think those bills fans appreciate what the jets have done how they've built the draft the last couple of years miami adding talent as well um and, and, you know, New England's always going to have their their players as well. So I just like the organic nature of let's find out what happens and, uh, you know, tally it up afterward.
2: Yeah, I had a lot of fun with this as well. I thought in the offseason, Miami and, and New York obviously made some splash moves uh that narrowed the gap. But this was a 13-win Bills team that went out and improved their roster as well. So I thought it was good for discussion. The only thing, you know, I would criticizes that my last name isn't Elbit because we did this in alphabetical order, but we'll talk more about that <laughs> mm, here in a minute. Excuses and excuses come quick. You know, Ryan, how that cost my roster just in round
3: one. I'm sorry for the lack of technological, beautiful graphics. I, I only have a Google Doc here to share, but I thought it was, you know, worthwhile to bring up you know the top 12 picks in this draft. We're not gonna go through the whole thing. I think I'm gonna um post the actual draft in the description of the podcast so you can kind of go through it talk about uh, or you know think about how we were thinking psychologically as we moved through this thing but how it worked is we went alphabetical order like you mentioned so jeremy uh of course went first with his first name um oh wait did we go last no we went first name first
2: oh first name. well then yeah Yeah. never mind but my elbow line but still ryan didn't help me either
3: (laughs) Either exactly, way, Brian exactly. would
1: have been a better choice for you.
3: <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we obviously started with Jeremy, Joe, Matt, and Ryan. Um, Jeremy had the first pick. Not a lot of surprise there. Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, for Joe went number two, two or three. And then Ryan, you're kind of sitting on your hands there. Like, what do I do? I'm going to have to go in a different direction.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's no way I was going to take Mac Jones at number four because, you know, all the quarterbacks have been taken, so that was my last pick. Oh, So so the thinking was, you know, you can get two of these other positions. Uh, where should I go first? And I figured if I can't have the best quarterback, I'm going to take the best two receivers from the division. So I went back to back there with Tyree Kill and Stefan Diggs. I was actually considering uh, Sauce Gardner with one of the picks and then going wide receiver, but I I like the overall direction that I went there with that because it it led to, you know, obviously the next two picks being wide receivers as well.
3: Joe, you mentioned at the top that you've obviously spent a lot of time over the last month, month and a half, two months studying all of these rosters. Aaron Rodgers comes into the division, the most of any quarterback in the division, but what ultimately led you to going him over to in a one season type situation at his age, all the factors that kind of went into the decision.
1: Well, I had to go quarterback uh, based on just the structure of how you built the team, right? If you didn't go quarterback, then you're going to be stuck with Mac Jones at some point, and that's what happened to Ryan. Uh, but I went with Aaron Rodgers over Tua because I, I feel like Aaron Rodgers is a better quarterback than Tua. I think Tua benefits from uh, the offensive scheme that he runs. I think he benefits from those two receivers, and there's just there's physical limitations with Tua. There's injury concerns with Tua. So give me the guy for one year. I I clarified before I made the pick. I said, Matt, is this a one-year thing? And you confirmed that. And I'm like, okay, well, the pick's Aaron Rodgers. And so um, I'll take the guy that's been the NFL MVP two of the last three years versus the guy that, I don't know, has he he started? Has he had 500 passing attempts in a season just based on the injuries that he continuously has?
3: It's not a perfect exercise because, yeah, it is one-year kind of operating window. Uh, but you also, you're, you're drafting the quarterback up top, of course, without really knowing what the parts are going to be. So it's not like a perfect exercise to that point. But I think the idea is to go best player available throughout the, the draft. And you need the best quarterback that you can get. And it makes sense to go that direction in the first three picks. I went Garrett Wilson over Jalen Waddle for a couple of reasons. I think he's more of a true, uh, one, a receiver, not that Jalen Waddle isn't, he just gets banged up a little bit more too, that I don't love the, you know, the body type. I think Garrett Wilson has been a little bit more, you know, just serviceable and available, which I think is an important part of this. Uh, we get to Waddle Joe, uh, there, obviously that makes a lot of sense getting Aaron Rodgers, What I think is the last guy in that tier of weapons there. And then we go to Jeremy who comes in and Honestly, of the top 10, you had my two favorite picks of the top 10, getting Josh Allen and then coming back with Sauce Gardner. Arguably, the two best players, maybe at their position. By the end of the season, we could be talking about those two players being the best player at their position in the NFL, depending on how 2023 goes.
0: Yeah. If I were like an actual NFL GM, this is where I would say, never thought Sauce would be there. You know, never saw, but <laughs> the, the drop off was obvious, right? Like when those four receivers went in a row, I thought I would get Josh and then take any other receivers. And when all four were gone, it was just, well, I don't even know when I'm going to take a receiver because the drop off from those four to the next best receiver in this division, I mean, it's pretty big. Mm -hmm. So I, I, one of the things I found really interesting about this, this whole exercise and as we go down the draft, we'll see is, so I go sauce Gardner. And from there, you know, I think there's a lot of choices. I took Vaughn. I thought about Quinn and Williams. I thought about Jalen Phillips, but the reality is after that, Jalen Waddle pick, defense was like, what, 15 out of 17? And it really drove home for me just how many good defensive players there are in this division. We get so many headlines for, you know, what the Jets offense hopes to be, what the Bills and Dolphins have been. And, man, what a run on defense that ultimately came right after the Waddle pick. We just went defense forever.
3: Who's Quentin Williams here coming back? That's Joe. Joe. Did you feel like kid in the candy store like it's Christmas oh, getting Williams at yeah, 11? No at doubt about
1: it. one of my favorite players. He was my number one player on my board the year he came out. Uh, so when he was sitting right there at uh, number 10, um, it was a sprint to the podium moment uh, as an NFL GM would say when a player like that's on the on the board for you when you're picking.
3: Um, I thought that kind of the same thing. After those two guys go off the board, I love the upside of Jalen Phillips. We've already seen some of the production there. Um, I think that if you go back a couple of drafts, like if you could ask, I mean, this is a good question for you, Joe. Like going into that year's draft, if you were presented Phillips and Rousseau uh, without knowing what they've done in the NFL, how yeah. much further ahead did you have Phillips than Rousseau or did you?
1: Yeah, I had Phillips ahead of of Rousseau. Um, the only real concern with Jalen Phillips was, well, the only real concern. He had significant injury concerns with concussions. Uh, The transfer from UCLA was extremely weird. There were some character red flags that some people brought up, um, but you knew that from a physical perspective, right? Like traits, size, athleticism, length. He was unbelievable, right? And I think he's found himself a home. I think it started when he went from UCLA to Miami, kind of a great move for him personally. And then being able to stay there playing his professional football and building off of that, I think, was was really good for him. And, and he's really matured. He's done a lot of great things off the field. Has really become a high-character guy right, for that organization. And so um, not that there's anything down about Greg Rousseau, but you have an ascending physical talent in Jalen Phillips. And then Rousseau, who you know, played defensive end for like one season, uh, had an ankle injury, opted out. He's extremely young, not necessarily top-tier athleticism. I mean, Phillips was the better prospect coming out. Uh, when you could kind of detach yourself from the injury stuff and you know, some of the red flags that existed with Phillips' profile overall.
3: Ryan, we have a trend that's developed already with uh, Mr. Albert here. Wide receiver, wide receiver. He come back with defensive lineman, defensive lineman. You're, you're really leaning into the snake draft situation here and just doubling down on players. And I think as we go, this trend does continue throughout uh, the draft for you. Is this see, a strategy? I-
2: I actually had uh, Judon as my linebacker, and uh, and then I went with the a little bit later with my DN. So
3: yeah, you were you were being really uh, loose with the positional uh, characterization. The, the there, the Bills
2: list Floyd as a DN. The Patriots list, you know, uh, Judon as a linebacker. So I was going by their positions based on the team depth mm-hmm. charts. and
3: Uche? Listed as a linebacker as well?
2: I didn't even look. I mean, I did. Yeah, you just threw I'm, that I'm one like in there. Not, yeah. yeah. No, but honestly, and Williams obviously was the top defensive tackle. But I have Christian Wilkins. You know, there's a gap there, but not a significant gap. I, I thought that Wilkins was a premier defensive tackle to kind of grab uh, at 12. Judon has been a great for the Patriots since they added him in, in free agency. So made a lot of sense to get someone that could disrupt the really good quarterbacks that you guys all have that I missed out on.
3: So I absolutely hated making this pick of Jalen Ramsey at 14. And I may be more down on him than most. I mean, if you if you read even some of the more, you know, informed people on Jalen Ramsey and obviously Vic Fangio effect, um, adding that kind of defensive play caller, putting guys in position, that's, that's great for Jalen Ramsey. I don't necessarily think he's the same level of player, and I look at this list knowing that in an AFC East that is absolutely barren of talent on on the offensive line throughout the division, Taron Armstead just sticks out like a sore thumb. If I could do this again, I probably would have flipped those guys, but I just thought I was drafting him based on his name, and I I hate the, you know, I, I went out and drafted Tua, and with number three, and I think Taron Armstead is at a stage in his career where you just can't stay healthy. But now that I'm looking at this, you know, 14, 15, 16, I'd rather even have Matt Milano than Jalen Ramsey, who you went with there, Joe at 15.
1: When I stacked my board in advance of the project, I noticed that the linebackers were pretty, pretty thin. And, and that's why Ryan stretched the rules here and picked defensive ends to play linebacker. He doesn't even have a true <laughs> off ball linebacker on his team. Um, and so, I, I knew that I needed to get uh, one of the premier linebackers, and I think that the best one in the division is Matt Milano. I had to have him, uh, especially just given the scarcity of the position
3: overall. This is something we also have to do. We knew Joe was going to have a big board, right? But I <laughs> want to know, know, Ryan and Jeremy, what did you do to create your version of that? And Joe, how long did you take building your AFC East Big Board?
1: Not Not that long because I – I I've done the work on all these players. So I went wow. through and I, I saw where I categorized each player and I was like, okay, well I knew how many players had to be picked at each position. And so, you know, we, everyone had to get two safety. So I stacked eight of them. Right. And so I got my positional rankings first and I intertwined it. And then as I was able to populate my roster with um, position groups and, and I was complete there, I wiped off all the rest of the names, So it became a very like when it was my turn to pick, it was the, the decisions
2: were already made. It was very, very simple. Yeah, I was going to say, I wish I could could say I had like this big board like Joe, but I just had like my little notebook uh, open on my phone and I kind of had every position listed there. And as things were going off, the uh, players were going out the board, I kind of looked at what I needed, who were the best players at the positions left over, and I kind of let that guide my decisions as I went through round by round. Yeah, I just looked at depth charts.
0: to tried to remember, you know, guys I remember, some, sometimes splash plays, Um and with the PFF for player grades like at the end of the day if i had a coin flip between the two look what they would grade for run blocking pass blocking um, once we got later in the draft like that that felt like the right thing to me but before that it was just trying to get the best player at a specific spot because the way we laid it out with you know one quarterback one running back two receivers my thought was i'd rather i'd rather have the best offensive lineman than the third best whatever if the grades are equal to me, it was about stacking as many positions that I could call wins. If we're doing like a tail of the tape, if I could stack a win, I would try to stack a win.
3: I thought this this whole process was fun, all parts of it. I did what Ryan did. I I took all the players that I could, dumped them in the notebook on the app, and I was just deleting them as I go, and I, I kind of like made my own little roster. But you could tell that Joe had that really elite big board when we got down to pick fifty to like sixty four. And we were like going pick to pick. And Jeremy would take a couple minutes. I'd take a couple minutes. Joe was texting back in three seconds. Like, mm-hmm. oh, pipe, bang, drum baker. that that's player. You lived up to the moniker. I mean, you are the draft guy. And you. <laughs> it uh, gave me a complex.
0: It. Every time I'm making a pick, there's Joe like 10 seconds. And I'm like, oh, God, I made another terrible pick. Here's Joe running in right away.
1: <laughs> Thank you very much, Jeremy. Appreciate you picking those. <laughs> yeah, guys. like every time I was like, can oh, man, think about it for 10 minutes. <laughs>
0: Out, a Buffalo Football Podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan
2: Talford.
3: All right, so we're we're through the top fifteen. That's about what I wanted to go through, like from a philosophical perspective. We're going to now take a run through the teams really quick, and what we ended up at because if we go through this whole thing, it could take all night. I'm I'm going to take a look at each team, and then afterward, I kind of want to open it up to the conversation of. All right. Who ended up with the best and the best team? Before we get into um, who had the most players taken, so Jeremy had Josh Allen, James Cook, Juju Smith-Schuster, Allen Lazard, Dalton Kincaid, Taron Armstead, Cole Strange, David Edwards on the defensive side. Von Miller, Greg Rousseau, David Long, Jawan Bentley, Sauce Gardner, Christian Gonzalez, Micah Hyde, and Jabril Peppers. Ryan, I'll start with you. What is your, is that uh, Reggie? That's looking out the window, just barking away at the world. What's your takeaway here on uh, on Jeremy's team?
2: Uh, Jeremy obviously has the best quarterback in the division. I love that a lot. I actually like that he went with uh, Kincaid as the first tight end off the board, too, for this draft class, Uh, because I pondered that a few times myself, is if I were to go tight end here, who would I go first? And I agree, I would go with Kincaid for the upside. Uh, Love the tackle choice of Armstead. Like we were saying, it, it gets... Uh, It wasn't elite options there at tackle and Armstead was the best there too. And and then obviously the the defense, I thought he did a really nice job of stacking between uh, veterans like Von Miller, Uh, then young guys with, you know, we already know what sauce Gardner can do, but Russo doubling his sack total from year one to year two, Christian Gonzalez having uh, being one of the best cornerbacks in this year's draft class. And then obviously having those other stable players, like the long coming over to Miami Micah Hyde. So just a really solid roster overall.
3: Jeremy, I want to read off Joe's team real quick, um, and I'll have you kind of provide some analysis. Um, and for the audio audience, uh, I'm going to read through the names. Apologies to those watching. Uh, quarterback Aaron Rodgers, running back Ramondre Stevenson, wide receivers Jalen Waddell, Kendrick Bourne, tight end Tyler Conklin, tackle Deion Dawkins, guard Robert Hunt, Connor Williams at center, defensive line Quinnen Williams, Bradley Chubb, linebackers matt milano and jerome baker cbs Tredavious white and taryn johnson uh safeties javon holland and kyle duggar jeremy what'd you think of this roster
0: well one of the funny things about a, a snake draft and just a four-person snake draft is especially the person that's picking right after you they're either stealing someone right before you go twice or taking the person that you didn't when you snake back and when joe took Tredavious white i i had this thing where And this has happened to me during the season. I kind of forgot he was around. Mm -hmm. Who would I go right before Trey White? It was Taron Armstead and Rousseau. And -hmm. I'm not upset about this picks, but he comes right back with Tredavious White. And I thought, I forgot about Tredavious White being Tredavious White. Because, you know, we really didn't see it for a year. But, of course, top-tier guy. Um, Of course, the receiver battle, too. Same thing. Like, when he goes Jalen Waddell, I thought I might get him. And it kind of changed. So every time Joe made a pick, I see a lot of these names. I see names I was keying in on right before it got to me or almost to Kyle Duggar was 100% going to be a guy I hope to get at safety because, you know, like we said, mixing those veterans and the young guys, I think some of these guys, there's so much talent. It's why I did go to Christian Gonzalez because I thought, well, you know, he's a top-flight corner. He's a first-round pick of Bill Belichick. So um, I, I felt like it was important to to mix in the rookies, I mean, after all, it is a draft. So um, a lot of familiar names. And on this board, of course, like I just knew Quentin Williams, Bradley Chubb's another one. Chubb, when he went off the board, I thought that's a guy that is probably tremendous value for where he ends up going. So, um, of course, you know, I I defer to Joe on a lot of draft stuff, and I think he did a pretty good job.
3: Yeah, Bradley Chubb at 55. Was that strategy, Joe, that after you took that one defensive lineman, you thought there'd be somebody of value that late?
1: Yeah, Ryan. Ryan damn near ruined the whole process for me because he picked all the edge rushers as linebackers. <laughs> I'll, I'll try to get one more reference to that at some point here in this conversation. But I knew that the strength of division of the division collectively was the D line, and with us only picking two, I'm like, okay, this is a very, very like it's brimming with talent. So like, let me get one of these premier guys. Quinn Williams was uh, really a guy I was satisfied with, and then I'm like, I'll wait. I'll wait. I'll get somebody I really like uh, much further down the line. And, and that worked out for me with Bradley Chubb. Like one of my towards the end of my picks was was
3: Chubb. All right. I'm going to go through my draft. I'll have uh, Joe uh, evaluate this quarterback to a tag of Viola, I was left with that. It's kind of almost forced into that really after Allen and, and Rogers go up top. Raheem Mostert at running back, Garrett Wilson and Gabe Davis at wide receiver. Dawson Knox at tight end. Austin Jackson, Michael Onwenu, and Ryan Bates, which was probably my my biggest like you know reach. I don't know if it's a reach. I mean, you could have gone with Tipman there, the Jets rookie center, but I like Bates's versatility and somebody that's kind of played the position already in the NFL uh, and wanting some more. I don't know proven ability. Not that there's much there with Bates in front of Tua. Then on the defensive line, Jalen Phillips and Ed Oliver. Uh, linebackers, I went with both Jets, Quincy Williams and uh, C.J. Mosley. Cornerbacks, Jalen Ramsey and D.J. Reed, And then safeties, Jordan Whitehead and Taylor Rapp. I actually dipped into the Bills depth chart and grabbed the third safety. Joe, what do you think about it?
1: Well, I, I think you were in a tough spot with that third overall pick. Um, and I think you had to pick to it. Um, and so that that made sense to me. But I think you had some some good moments throughout the draft i mean garrett wilson being able to still get one of those top tier receivers that was one of my objectives that uh, we obviously were able to kind of box jeremy out from the receiver so i think getting one of those was was a good move for you i think a sneaky great selection that you made was michael Wayne you at guard i I, he's probably the best guard in the division probably i don't think that's much of a take i think he is the best guard in the division i thought that was great value for your offensive line because I, i didn't love austin jackson at tackle but I think that was a redeeming pick within Wayne U. I love Jalen Phillips. I, I think he's he might push for like somewhere like 15, 16 sacks this year. The trajectory has just been so good with him. And now he's in this Vic Fangio defense. I think uh, it's he's gonna he's really gonna be an impact player this year. And you know, I I've, you kind of beat yourself up over the Ramsey pick, but is if you're gonna ask Jalen Ramsey to like match up with number one receivers every single week and follow them around. You're not going to have the best version of Jalen Ramsey, but the versatile component of his game is really intriguing to me as a guy that's played a lot more in the slot recently. If you remember him coming out of Florida State, there was even some conversation of whether or not this guy was a safety or a corner. And I think that you've seen Vic Fangio's trajectory as a coach and him being able to kind of maximize some of these guys later in their career. And I think they're going to move him around a ton. And I think the the pick of Cam Smith in the second round this past year, corner out of South Carolina – that could play on the outside is going to really open up their opportunities to move Ramsey around. But I also think you did a good job of taking advantage of some of the depth in the division. Uh, like you mentioned, getting a Taylor rap, uh, even Quincy Williams at linebacker was a sneaky, nice selection. So there's a lot that I like. I have some questions about the O line, um, but I think you were in a tough spot and you made the most of it.
3: Yeah. Trent Brown was probably the, the, the way I was going to go. And I don't know. I just thought maybe coming off of a down year, there might be some more upside there with Jackson, maybe somehow. But again, like, you know, the common theme of this thing, offensive line, it, it's one of maybe the weakest position groups in this division after going through this process. All right, I'll go through uh, Ryan's team real quick and give some thoughts. Uh, Mac Jones, at quarterback, tough. Uh, Bryce, uh, Brees Hall at running back. Tyreek Hill, Stefan Diggs at receiver. Mike Gasicki uh, at tight end. Uh, tackle Dwayne Brown, Elijah Vera Tucker, and Mitch Morse inside. Defensive line: Christian Wilkins, Matthew Judon, and I guess throw you know Josh Uche and Leonard Floyd on the D line as well. <laughs> although they're listed as linebacker. Xavier Howard and Kater Kohu at cornerback, and then Jordan Poyer and Chuck Clark. I mean, first of all, I think you got like really like quality players, all pros, kind of sprinkled in throughout this entire roster. One of my favorites, if I could have taken on Wino and, and somehow come back with Elijah Vera Tucker and and talked you all in just you know one of them playing center, I don't know. like Vera okay. Tucker is you know one of my one of the one of the guys I'm really watching with the Jets to see if that offensive line could take the next step if he could stay healthy. Uh, obviously a really, you know, nice player coming out of school. And then I thought he had some moments last year. I, I believe he got hurt before the end of the season, but I think overall, I mean, you got some veterans in there. You got some difference makers on the defensive line. And then even though it's Mac Jones, I mean, shoot, go, go get a guy off the street and you could probably make something work with Helen Diggs out there, catching balls. Brees Hall's got a lot of upside. So I think you did a pretty good job given the circumstances you were in, Ryan.
2: Yeah, and I want to apologize to Jets fans. I took Chuck Clark, and then about two hours later, they found out that he had like a season-ending injury, so I might have jinxed that one for them. Uh, We'll slot an Adrian Amos in that spot instead for me. But no, in in all seriousness, once those quarterbacks were gone, I said I have to really fill those skill positions and getting Hill and Diggs, like you said, helped there. And uh, Brees Hall, I, I liked that pick when I was able to get him. Was anyone else like sn- like sneakily hoping that Delvin Cook was going to sign in the AFC East like during this I was kind of hoping as like this was going on that I could like steal him at one point late but that Or DeAndre happened. Hopkins for Yeah, that, that was that yeah. was the name
1: for me cuz I knew I was I was missing out on receivers. I got Kendrick Bourne as my number two receiver so the whole time I'm like come on sign <laughs> sign <laughs> Hopkins right. and let me get him late here but uh yeah, I felt that way about Hop.
2: Yeah, so it was fun though. It was, it was a great process uh fun to kind of think through as it went on live did, did anybody
0: else like one of the things i did one of the reasons i took kincaid and also james cook is because my receivers when they slid down my number one is juju my number two is lazard so i i thought you know it's funny you want to go best player available at all times but we, we are fielding a team and i thought well my receivers are lacking so i i have to get the playmaking tight end potential i have to get the dynamic running back which might not have been the right thing to do but it just felt like yes, roster decisions up and down were affecting my mindset about like this offense I was putting together.
3: I got to say, Jeremy, I, I felt that I was a little let down that you didn't get on the wide receiver train early, considering it's the brand.
0: I had to pick him that's number right. one if he was going to do it. <laughs> that's right. I mean, I would have taken one. I mean, if I had taken a receiver at eight, I would have been like, what? I mean, you guys would have kicked me out and been like, okay, we got to get somebody else. That's, that's <laughs> a great
3: point. That's <laughs> a great point. But sometimes you just got to lean into the brand no matter what. That's right. Uh, but like no, I appreciate wrong. that. All right, let's really go around. The, the, roll. <laughs> there you go. Let's go around the horn here. Jeremy, Joe, Ryan, and then myself. Who do you think had uh, ended up with the best team?
0: It's tough. Like, I, I want to... Uh, are you not allowed to vote for yourself? Because you can Josh vote for yourself. Is, for your Josh shot? Josh is such a difference maker. I, I feel like when the, when the order came out, jo, uh, me, and Joe has such an advantage with that one position. Like Josh to Tua, uh, josh to I, I this is a wide receiver train point i don't love that the bills don't have the best receivers in the division maybe but i know the quarterback can do an awful lot of work with whoever i give him to some degree so like juju lazard kincaid and james cook I, i've got the guy that can do it i got the guy that can uh, can evade the sacks if my line isn't good enough i've got the guy that has been in shootouts when he needs to be so um if we want non-quarterback rosters I think I'd probably tip it to Joe. Even might give it to Joe with Rodgers. It's just such a hard thing to overcome in a draft like this when you have such a drop-off between the quarterback number one and what, and, and Mac Jones, who, you know, like you said, Ryan, like you could have taken him with your dead last pick, and that's about position. It's about, you know, upside. It's about a lot of things. I think it's hard to say anyone other than me or Joe just because the quarterback golf is so big.
1: I, I think – with Josh Allen on Jeremy's team, that's the team that I think like would win the most games uh, of any of us. But if you kind of don't factor in the quarterback, like remainder of team, I love what Ryan did. I really, I really do. I think it's very complete. I don't look at his roster and feel like I I see concerning holes, if that makes sense, but he he does have Mac Jones, right? So there's (laughs) kind of the, that's the the problem. yeah, Yeah. That's the problem. So uh, Josh. What? Excuse me. Josh gives Jeremy the edge to me, but I think the non you know re- remainder of team situation. I I really like Ryan's.
2: Yeah, uh, going back to the quarterback discussion, I th- I think it does come down to which team would win the most. Uh, I could see it being Jeremy's team or Joe's team. Both have some uh, talented players. Obviously, I like the rodgers Waddle connection. Uh, a little bit more than what Allen has to work with at at wide receiver. And Jeremy alluded to that. Allen, I think, has the most upside to win the games. But in in terms of the weapons, I like Stevenson a lot, too. I'm really high on him this year in terms of what I think he can do for New England. So I I might give Joe just the slight nod there, too. Really like what he did on the defense side of the ball, especially in the secondary. Uh, He and I had very similar ideas with the second cornerback to kind of go with the slot uh Corner position there with Taron Johnson, he, just a real solid player all, all around and obviously getting Trey White. If if White looks like the White of old, uh that secondary that he has is going to look really, really good when we if we ever come back to this.
3: Yeah, I, I, I agree with uh, everything you guys were saying. I, I really like Jeremy's team. I just think there's juice at every position group, maybe outside of wide receiver. But again, we only drafted two. So you never know. You know, if we went through the whole exercise and you land a couple more of these kind of fringe guys, uh, maybe it looks a little bit different. Uh, I think Ryan's uh, roster outside of quarterback is great. And, you know, maybe if this was a 2024 exercise, you know, he's lining up for Caleb Williams, maybe and Uh it'll be all all set. Um, All right. I want to finish with this last piece of this conversation here. And that is where things landed in terms of how many players were drafted from each team. And I sent this text message out to the group and I, and I hope my math is correct. The final tally was Patriots players and jets players, 14 players each from their rosters. The dolphins had 17 players drafted. Um, and then the bills had 19. So just based on sheer numbers, you could probably make the pretty easy argument that we've already kind of made earlier in the show. The bills have the, the deepest, the best roster in this, in this division, uh that ended up bearing out through the exercise. And I I just think that there's fringe guys, I mean the Leonard Floyd's, the Taylor Raps of the world, even the Ryan Bates of the world that I think just these other three rosters just don't have those kind of players. Uh, what did you learn about the AFC East, Jeremy? We'll start with you, um, after this exercise and seeing, you know, how many players went uh from each team.
0: Well, I mentioned a little bit earlier, but that this this division is I mean, there's two or th- two and a half good quarterbacks. We'll see about two, of, like how often he plays, but, and good weapons, but the defensive players, it, it, that's what got driven home for me big time, was, man, that second round when we all just started hammering defensive players and good ones and one after the other. And, you know, I- I'm maybe a little higher on Miami than a lot of people because Vic Fangio going in there is maybe a big upgrade or at least credibility. Um, I like a lot of their players individually. The, the, you know, you said you said about Ramsey, Been plenty of guys that get put in the right spot that can can resurrect a career, or you know, being asked to do exactly what they're capable of doing. So, I I think my takeaway was that I don't think enough about how many good defensive players there are in this division.
1: I'll get specific with the defense because I I think that's a great takeaway, Jeremy. And the defensive line is absolutely loaded, but so is the safety position. And I think maybe no better indicator of that is the fact that among the teams we drafted. There's two third safeties that were picked in Jabril Peppers and Taylor Rapp. Those guys aren't starters for their mm. teams, but they were picked in this, not to mention Kyle Duggar and Javon Holland and Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer. And, you know, the, the Jordan Whitehead with the jets. I mean, it's a loaded division in terms of safeties. And, and that's fascinating to me because I think you have th- four, you, I think you have four really different styles of offense uh, amongst this division. and, no matter who you're matching up against, I think the safeties are really, really critical to give yourself a chance uh, to slow down stylistically what teams want to do. So, yeah, I think defensive talent is is loaded and especially
2: on the D-line and and at safety as well. For me, I'll go the opposite side. I'll go offensive line. And, and the fact that when one or two guys went at a specific position, you kind of felt like you had to rest on your hands and and almost hold off or just hope that someone – Uh, Decent would be there for you when it came To you late in the draft like Once Armstead and Deion Dawkins went off The board I wasn't thrilled with any of the Tackle choices left and you know There's a a plethora of guards in this Division but how many of them are really like Premier can't miss top Notch guys and uh, You know center was kind of there were options There and you mentioned that even Tipman wasn't Even drafted in this scenario which you could Have but you know I think every Team in this division has some questions on their O-line and If you can't protect your quarterback, you you know that that can uh, end a season very quickly.
3: I mean, to your point, Joe and Jeremy, like this is obviously a defensively driven com or a division based on what I think is the conference they play in. Right, like you're playing all these elite quarterbacks every single week, including probably the second or third best in Josh Allen. You could see the way that these teams have tried to build their roster to try to go after opposing teams' quarterbacks. I think, to your point, Ryan, the the Dwayne Brown piece of this, I don't think we're talking enough about the lack of protection, potentially, around Aaron Rodgers. And one of the things, too, that I thought hindered him last season in the games that I did watch was when his offensive line let him down in front of him. This is not... 37-year-old Aaron Rodgers, who can kind of nullify some of that with his mobility at times, that's kind of gone now. And they're saying the right things, and they have these playmakers, and there's a lot of excitement in New York over this offense. But I don't think I can get to a point arguing the Jets have a better roster than the Bills, knowing that the crown jewel of that operation now – I don't know how they're going to protect him unless a lot of guys make significant jumps. You get guys that have been invisible, like a Makai Becton who all of a sudden, you know, explodes onto the scene. There's just too many question marks. I guess they'll go around the horn one more time. Final thoughts. Um, and then we'll get out of here.
2: Final thought, fun process. I, I like to kind of uh, see how this division stacks up against one another. And I think that it really does show that maybe the bills are kind of being slept on one year after being these Super Bowl darlings to everyone in the media. Now they're kind of being considered this afterthought within their own division, yet they got stronger at a lot of positions this offseason without making those splashy moves.
1: Well, and I'll I'll just to build on that, Ryan, um, everybody's Super Bowl pick last year was the Bills. And I think objectively it's a better football team right now than it was last year at this point in time. And I think, and and maybe this is um, something that people don't want to hear, but the Bills are a battle-tested team. And so, like, you could stack up talent all day long, and I think the Bills will have the edge, but – It's those X factors, right? It's coaching, it's continuity, it's um, injuries are going to be critical, but I think battle-tested, they've been through a lot, right? In ways that these other teams really haven't. And you'd like to think that those experiences will be very uh, favorable for the Bills to uh, lean on as they, you know, gear up for another run at uh, hopefully the first Super Bowl in franchise history. And to that point, you know, the Bills have been through the pressure cooker. And the Dolphins,
0: you know, they're like a little darling a little bit last year. They've not had to match expectation yet. Year two for Mike McDaniel. You know, like where do you how far do you have to go before people start worrying about you? If you start 0-2 or 0-3, like they've not had that pressure. Rogers has, but the rest of that Jets group hasn't. So you've got three teams in this division that might all three be really good. One team has dealt with it. Has gone through the ups and downs. Has had the crushing season-ending, you know, mental toughness that they've got to build through that. So I do think the Bills have that built in. And when, when the when tough times hit, Sean McDermott's taken this team through tough times. So uh, I, I do think about that a lot. How will the Jets respond? How does Garrett Wilson respond? How do young players on that Jets defense respond when it starts to really matter? As opposed to be a team that you know went from laughing stock to what the jets are now which is big expectations almost immediately that and the other thing i liked about it is the slow draft like if you haven't done slow drafts some fantasy football leagues do slow drafts where there's eight hours between picks and that can be a lot of fun because your phone just buzzes. you're like all right i'm up and you can think about it for a little while and how you want to plan so i've done a few of those and this reminded me of those and uh every once in a while i'm reminded i like a good slow draft like they could be fun
3: One other thing I want to just, this came to me real quick on top of all of your points, which were really good. And Jeremy, I totally agree with you. The, the slow, I do the dynasty draft every year and it's the same kind of thing where you just kind of like plug in for a little bit, then plug out and then kind of keep doing it over the course of three rounds. I love that part of the dynasty league that I'm in. We only draft rookies anyway. um, The Sean McDermott component to this season, to me. It supersedes everything. It supersedes the Stefan Diggs drama right now. Cause I think that that's going to fade because he's going to get back. He's going to get locked in with Josh Allen and they're going to go and they're going to go try to do what they've done the last three years. And who knows if they hit, you know, rough patches, maybe the, the problems that have existed here over the last couple of months start to kind of bubble up. But the Sean McDermott piece is, I'm so interested in covering that this year because not only is, his name, the one that's being splashed across all of these national shows, like being on the hot seat and is McDermott a good playoff coach and you know, moving on from Leslie Frazier and he's taking over the defense. Like in a lot of ways, it feels like there's so much pressure on Sean McDermott. But I also wonder on the flip side, if there's not a little switch that's been flipped and if he's not just coming out to prove everybody wrong. And of everybody, he's the guy that just chases that feeling and that, like, motivation, and I'm wondering if if, if Sean McDermott's going to come out with middle fingers this year and just start dropping him with his defensive performance. I mean, I'm just feeling some of that, and I wonder how much of that was the Tuesday of mini camp that we saw him come out and just cavalierly just throw out that Stephon Diggs stuff like, oh, no big deal. Like, I think he's pissed off.
0: He's good when he's like that, too, because – I know he's a a good coach. He's a good front door of the franchise. He keeps things measured a lot. And every once in a while, he will step out of that. And the best example of that is when the Bills lost the hurricane game to the Patriots. And he said, don't give too much credit to Bill. And like, to me, like that, that moment was this guy saying, bleep you all. We're good. And I know it. And I think that gets to what you're saying, Matt. Like the idea that there's a lot of noise right now, and it's June, and like things have to be said to be said. But a lot of people in that building probably feel like, forget everybody. We're good, and we know it. We've got the proof. We've got the we've got evidence more than most of these teams that want to think they're as good as us,
2: yeah, I, I just think there'll be something good too about now the bill's almost I don't want to say fading into the background, but not having that target on their back this year as the Super Bowl darling of the national media, the fact that they're kind of being written off because of the jets and the dolphins of the world, they can just kind of come out and, you know, show that continuity, show that the, the battle tested, you know, you know how battle tested they are and and come in and win this division. Again, I I think that there's going to be fewer distractions. Uh, They can say they don't read the press clippings. They don't watch the TV shows, but everywhere you looked last year, especially after those first few games against the the Rams, the Titans, the Steelers, when they were just steamrolling teams, uh, it just kind of added to that noise. So now they can kind of sit back and they're no longer the, the hunted, so to speak.
1: Uh, you know what I was thinking of, Jeremy, if I'm not mistaken, after McDermott said that coming out of the hurricane game, didn't the Bills rip off like five in a row or something like that and went into the postseason extremely hot and had the perfect game on offense again? Like, Jens Belichick yep. after beating him by like a couple mm-hmm. of touchdowns a few weeks prior. Uh, and then, of course, we know how that season ended. But that, that, that was a little bit of an FU tour for, for yep. McDermott the rest of the way there. And, and um, I hadn't thought about that. But I think that there is something to be said for that vantage point uh, being doubted. Right. It, I, how many times have we watched Tom Brady hoist a Super Bowl trophy and talk about how everybody wrote us off? It's like Tom. No, like maybe one person did, but everybody expected you to be right where you are right now. I think the best teams are the ones that can manufacture that doubt and put that chip on their shoulders, and I think that's a big that's a big component of of McDermott this year. And I, and I I'm suddenly very curious to see how that influences how he navigates this coming year.
3: Thank you so much, guys, uh, for going through the process uh, with us on this draft. It was a lot of fun, uh, Joe Marino, uh, the draft. Um, Locked on Bills and the NFL NFL scouting. Locked on NFL scouting. Locked on NFL scouting. He went through every single team. Get the deep dive on all the AFC East teams. Everybody else. Find Jeremy every morning, weekday morning, over on WGR Sports Radio 550. This was fun. He's Ryan. I'm Matt. See you all soon.
2: Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot.